the Podfix Network. Hello and welcome to part two of our glorious chat with the writer and director Joe Marcantonio on the Filmmakers Podcast. If you haven't listened to Tuesday's part one episode with Joe, then do go back, listen to that now. Then come and join us on this part two, because we're carrying on the conversation exactly where we left off. So far we have talked about motifs and colours and tone and casting and his short film Red Light and working with scripts, working with actors and having a therapist on set and what he learned being a runner as he was working his way up the film ladder. But now, we are talking all about his film, Kindred, which is out now on Sky Movies. Go watch it. It's fabulous. If you haven't already, there's no excuses since Tuesday till today. But if you haven't watched it, then more for you, because we're about to dive in deeper. But if not, watch it after you've listened to this, because it's just ace. It's ace, but you you should also listen to this. Um, Because Joe gives you so much info and advice on what it's like on set. Where I left you in part one on Tuesday was talking about casting and the casting of Fiona Shaw. So that is where we'll pick it back up. So sit back, wherever you are, if you're in the bath, if you're in your garden in this glorious weather, if you're on the train or a tube or a bus, oh, I feel sorry for you. But you are listening to this, or at least there's some comfort in your life. (laughs) So sit back, relax. And enjoy part two of my chat with the fabulous Joe Marcantonio. Well, so you've got Fiona Shaw now, which must have been great with any time making a film like this. Casty's great, but did it help you financially? Basically, we got to the point financially where we were like, right, you know, who do we go to for the lead? And um, it was like, well, you know, we can speak to established people, but with the budget range we've got realistically going to get who are we going to attract you kind of have these kind of like discussions about casting and it was like right okay we're going to go to some like young up-and-coming um act- actresses and in the scripts we had purposefully never mentioned race or ethnicity at all we were open to kind of anything they could have been Eastern European or British or they or you know Scottish or English or wherever you know and um another weird thing I'd done in my running days is I'd been a, the cameraman in casting sessions, particularly for a guy called Mark Nunnally, who was like a big kind of ad com- uh casting guy, and it's always really monstrous those commercials casting sessions where you're basically getting thirty five desperate people in for about three and a half minutes each yeah, i was one of them mate i was one of yeah. them for years and years i for about two yeah. years i i cleaned up on ads but before that yeah. couldn't get them for love nor money after that couldn't get yeah. them for love nor money and it's horrible yeah. you go in it's all about how your hair flops or how you say yeah. they're like oh my and, god it's and they horrible. know within 15 seconds whether they want you or not yeah and they either treat you really nicely or yeah. so rude <laughs> so rude sometimes <laughs> and i could never get my head around it and i'm yeah. just a little kind of like little kid there with my video camera pressing start and stop and then mm-hmm. in those days you had to dub it onto Umatic and send it to the ad That's agency right. you know yeah yeah um oh duping vhs cassettes whatever but anyway so i spent yeah. a lot of time in windowless rooms filming people <laughs> pretending to cry for coffee ads or whatever you know what <laughs> I mean? um and, but one thing you learn from that yeah. process is that like that is how not to do it you know yes so what i did is, what i like to do is i get a, an actor or actress in for about an hour each i'll pick i'll look at reels and Mm -hmm. i will kind of really get into research and i will find the top i'd rather see three people for an hour than 12 people for 15 minutes each do you know what i mean yeah Yeah, because you can't get into it yeah yeah, but the problem is with that though is if you know they're not right straight away yeah what do you then do because now Mm. you're like ah booked him Mm. in for this but then sometimes what i'll do is i'll use that as an opportunity to fine-tune the script in a funny kind of way and i'll work nice. out whether, yeah. whether dialogue works you know mm. what i mean it's clever, it's clever so um i got okay. we had a bunch of people in and then i was chatting to jack loudon about it and he was like oh i just got back from shooting the dominican republic where i shot this tv show called um 
Oh, come on. What is it called? Um, oh, my brain. Was it? Uh, <laughs> come on. I'm, I'm having to Google it. Uh, the long song. Oh, the long right, song. Okay, the it long didn't even, song. I didn't even have time to Google it. The came long out. song, which is really good. It hadn't come out yeah. yet. And he's like, oh, and the lead in it is this girl called um, Tamara Lawrence. And man, she's, she's like something else. And I was like, okay, we'll stick her on the end mm-hmm. of the day. You know, get her in, yep, check it out. Sure. It's a recommendation from Jack as well, so it. you've got to take it uh, yeah. seriously, yeah. So um, I kind of get through the other people in the day, and tomorrow's the last one in, and we'd have a chat. And for the first 10 minutes or so, you just chat, like, where you're from, you know, what you're into. Like, you just have a little chin wag about whether you're trying to gauge whether you're going to get on with someone yeah. or not. And she is just the coolest person. And then we get her to kind of get into doing the lines, yeah. and she just absolutely smashes it and i just like look around at alice and she looks at me and we're just like right okay well that's kind of that's, that's that. done Do you know thank I mean? you decision end made. of the day and then the reality i mean the kind of cold hard reality of it is you then do have to have a sensible conversation with your producers and be like look she's the right woman for me but we're casting a young black actress in this role and uh, that does affect international finance you know and that does affect whether you're going to be able to sell the film in china or russia and we are going to have to really kind of have to fight this battle. Mm. And it's a battle that I want to fight. Good. Are you guys up yeah, for it? it? And everyone's just like, hell yeah, man. If she's the right person for the job, we're all on kind of, we're all on team Tamara. Do you know what I mean? That's brilliant. I love that attitude. It's so good. It's um, so refreshing. It needs to be done more. It's like, who's right for yeah, the role? Yeah, totally. And also part of me is just like, if you're going to discriminate because you've got a black actress in the film, then fuck you I frankly totally you know what I mean? you don't you don't deserve to watch totally it. and it's one territory you know in the terms of you know it, how much would it get from that territory anyway you know if yeah. italy and russia don't want it because it's got a black lead fine sod off it'll yeah, do well in the uk yeah, it'll yeah. do well in these territories no one cares in a lot yeah. of our territories now things have changed massively in the last five yeah. years so it doesn't um, matter it's time to move things forward so that's great yeah totally yeah so you've got totally. a great cast you know tamara lawrence fiona shaw jack loudon you know edward mm-hmm. holcroft who is uh, yeah. amazing king as well so what happened there was that basically we had these kind of like the smaller roles to fill in mm. and it was just like well who's on alice had put some sheets together for me and i was just like do you reckon like chloe perry would do it mm-hmm. she's like you know we can ask yeah. so i meet chloe and i mean literally i think chloe perry is like again a bit like martin mccann such an undiscovered gem because did you watch she did a thing about the bronte sisters um sally wainwright did on the bbc um, um to walk invisible i think it was called okay no i didn't see and she that. was like emily bronte i think in that right uh, and it totally blew me away i think she's really really incredible yeah she was great in emma you know she was great in wow, yeah yeah it was fantastic she's in, recently she was uh, she popped up in that um the chess thing on netflix as the, and the queen's gambit uh, yeah alex queen's gambit. of course she was brilliant as yeah. alice hammond as the as the yeah. mum of course so you you lucked out you know and she was in yeah, temple yeah, yeah. as and well Ed Holcroft again. I met. I met for a for a drink. I'm just like, you know. I know it's not a very big role for you, but like, would you be up for it? And he's just like, yeah, man. You seem like a good guy. I know Jack a little bit. This will be fun. Well, that's it. I think it does help having someone like Jack in, and by then maybe yeah, you honestly, have got. It would Fiona. never have happened. Yeah, it would never have happened. Yeah, if I hadn't gone to that prenatal baby class, <laughs> and if Jack hadn't basically uh, kind of got that Morrissey gig, yeah, kind of everything just kind of fell into place. You know what I mean? I love that. Um, it's so true. And, so, so it basically all happens. Yeah. We go for like tax rebate and whatever reasons. Yeah. We're like, okay, we're going to shoot in Ireland. Mm-hmm. Um, so we go to Ireland and look for a house. And then you can't find a house in Dublin that's quite right. And then you find this amazing location called Strag Valley okay. Hall out in the Midlands. But because Ireland's really unionized, it means you have to overnight all the crew like near the location because you're more than on a 30 minute drive from Dublin. And it's just a real nightmare shooting out there and getting kit out there and whatever. And so, um, mm-hmm. again, it's that discussion with the producers. You're just like, right, this is going to be a nightmare, but no one has shot in this film apart from Lassie, the movie yeah. in like 1998 or something. Um, it's totally undiscovered and it's incredible. 
I'm up for this battle. What do you guys think? And again, yeah. the guys were totally up for it. And they were like, right, the second we drove up to the gates, they, we kind of looked at each yeah, other. And just exactly. Like, right, and if you on. haven't seen the film, Kindred, yet, please do go watch it. But when you do see it and you mm. see this house, you realise why Joe wanted to shoot there because mm. it's in, it's beautiful. I was literally, I, my first thing I wrote down was locations. Where was this location? Was my first, I was like, this is an amazing location. So, so cool. Also, the really great thing about it is that um, it's so big that we could have everyone in the house like uh, departments wise so the art department were in the basement and the accounts and the production team in the basement the ad's all the green rooms hair and makeup and wardrobe were in the attic they had a room each there's no trailers there's nothing to have nothing you really have to move out of shot all the time because the cameras point the other way and you've got to move an entire kind of village of vans and stuff and it saves you money in a funny way because you haven't got to pay for all those vehicles you know and where did you stay did you Stay in there as well or nearby? No, no, luckily not. That probably would have been a step too far. I've done it, Um, mate. I've done it. Although we did come in one day onto onto the set and someone had slept in the bed over the night. One of the the guy who owns the house's mate had come to stay and he'd stayed on set, not realising it was dressed as a set. It's all beautiful and all clean and lovely. Well, it wasn't particularly clean or lovely, to be fair. (laughs) (laughs) I'll teach you. I felt sorry for him. Um, So now I was in like a little rental, again, finding places for people to stay. So the poor crew were in a bit of a kind of like Alan Partridge-esque kind of Holiday Inn-esque kind of place by the side of a motorway um, on the edge of Port Leash, which is like uh, famed for the biggest prison in Ireland. Um, Right, okay. And uh, it's basically where all the big supermarkets are for everyone who lives in the middle of Ireland. So there's like these jumbo supermarkets and a little high street. And that's kind of it. Um, So I took all my heads of department with me from, from England um, but all the rest of the crew were locals, basically. Apart from the production designer, it was an Irish guy. Um, so um, what else is interesting? Okay, I'll talk about visuals in a minute. Sorry, this is going on for ages. I hope you don't mind. I'm happy to talk for as long as time goes on. So you Well, can... I, it's going up tonight, so I've got I, yeah, really... I've got to edit this later. So I... <laughs> I told you I could be a two-parter. So, you, you know, did. feel free. I, I, wish it... I know I might make it a two-parter. It's just the problem is um, a two-parter means I've got to re-edit this again on Friday. I'm like, oh, no, yeah. <laughs> I'm in pre-production um, on the next film. Like. But this go, is brilliant. I'll try, Thanks, and, mate. I'll try and speed up a little bit. It's all so good. I was staying in a little house nearby and with Dom in like on a farm kind of thing in the middle of nowhere. It's kind of creepy. And then yeah. um, Jack was staying because Jack is uh, goes out with Saoirse Ronan, like long-term partner of Saoirse Ronan. Amazing. They met Who's doing so whatever that movie is with She's the Queen uh, with um, uh, Margot Robbie. Queen of Scots. Mary Queen of Scots because they met on set. Right. Mary Queen of Scots. Oh, nice. They'll be going out for years. Oh, lovely. So Saoirse's in the film. Is she? She was on set every day. She's in the movie. Yes. What? Not quite enough to put her name on the poster. <laughs> but there's a shot near the beginning where it's uh charlotte finds out she's having a baby she goes to the pub and has a big glass of wine and in the background there's three blobs that are out of focus having a glass (laughs) of wine in the the middle blob is two or three time oscar nominee saoirse ronan (laughs) um she was also our stand-in for a couple of days because um tamara was off getting makeup or hair are you serious you've got that's incredible saoirse ronan's just there going don't worry i'll do it it's fine and she was there every day just hanging out on set how know. cool she's, she's super that. nice as well yeah yeah again she's part of the super nice gang i like that um, it's important um, to it you know it's Irish, important to have to these fair. people that are super nice in this yeah. industry because yeah. you do come across the the people who aren't super nice and you go why are you still working because there's so many super yeah, yeah. nice people You're like why this is more fun with you guys let's all yeah. group together and do this let's get rid of the they, people um, who are assholes also politically it was quite good i think because you know i'm english and dom's english Jack's Scottish, so he gets away with it. But, you know, working in <laughs> Ireland, there is still a little bit of whole, like, these bloody English people coming up with their money and kind of like, you know, mm. uh, like, you, you can easily be dismissed as a kind of like, um, a not very nice, kind of like, toff-ish, kind of like, bossing people around, kind of English dude. Absolutely. And I'm not that. And I got on really well with the crew. But I think having Serge there really helped in a way because everyone loves her, mm-hmm. you know. And yep. I get on well with her, and they get on well with her, so everyone gets on really well. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's, it, politically, it was actually quite a useful thing having her there. Yeah. Um, and she went off to get pizza a couple of times when we were running over and kind of like all that kind of stuff, you know. <laughs> I love um, this story. That's so cool. What a, what a great sort of little um, yeah. Easter egg, the yeah. fact that Saoirse Ronan's yeah. in the movie. That's really movie, cool, yeah. really nice. And so um, also in that same shot, just behind is like the street window, and that's co-writer jason mccolgan walking past in that there same shot go. so it's like 
Everyone's well in done, it. Well done, Jace. I was going to say, Carlos Catalan, your DOP. Amazing. Amazing. So I picked Carlos because when you're making your first film, you draw up a, like a list of your potential heads of department. Yeah. And, you know, you're like, I don't know who we can get. Like, is it the kind of film where we can get Roger Deakins? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Pushing the like, boat. But know. yeah, you don't know you now. Know. You're getting Fiona so, Shaw. Um, Why not? So you're kind of like working on this, like who's achievable, who's not. And you go to the, the big kind of uh, agents and you're like, which of your clients you th- are around firstly? Because everyone's so busy all the time, mm. either doing commercials or, or you know, just working on other movies. And Carlos's name came up and my buddy had done a Pepsi commercial with Carlos and really liked him. Right. So I met a couple of DPs and he came in. Everyone always comes in with a bit of reference. And Carlos came in with his reference. And no joke, I'd say probably 80% of his visual reference was the same as my visual reference wow. in things. It was just like, what, you know, what are the chances that mm. it was basically Dogtooth, it was uh, Martha, Marcy May Marlene, it was, um, oh God, like um, Caché, the Henneke film. Yep. Um, it was, I can't remember what else was on there now. Um, but it was like, we were on the same wavelength. Do you know what yes. I mean? Um, and we got on really well. So that was that. And I had this harebrained idea about, um, again, it's, this is kind of from that Sidney Lumet book where he talks about um, the way you approach a film. Your thematic elements should kind of, um, in, uh, kind of infect every element of the film, from wardrobe to camera to mm. editing. Everything should be, the theme is the main thing. Yep. That is what your story is about. Yep. That's what it has to be about. So I had this idea that, you know, when we are out of the house... And in kind of quote unquote the free world, as it were, we shoot on spherical lenses because that is a optical representation of reality. You know, a round spherical lens, like you have in your iPhone or whatever, mm-hmm. is that is a true representation of reality. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the house, which is a house of deception, mm-hmm. um, we shoot on anamorphics because mm-hmm. anamorphics are, by their very nature, a distortion of reality. Mm-hmm. They stretch the image. They they are a for want of a better phrase, they are lying to you. You know, they're giving you a false representation of reality. And he was really up for it. So we basically shot with two sets of lenses. We shot with spherical uh, super speeds for and handheld mostly for all the stuff outside the house. Yep. Yet inside the house, we were on vin- these vintage Hawk anamorphics and the camera is either locked off or on a dolly the whole time, nice. basically. Nice. Um, and it's not the kind of thing that an audience would necessarily consciously recognize, but hopefully subconsciously or, do you know what I mean? There's like of a course. little bit of the back of their head that might... Um, well, that's why we do those things realize. as filmmakers. We do those little things that you don't want the audience to notice, but you want them to feel something. You want them to feel yeah. different. The lens is different. The size of that lens is different, which makes them feel a certain way, or the actor looks a different way with a different lens on. So by doing exactly what you're doing, you made them feel something. They might not have known it, mm. but they'll have got it. You know, they've watched yeah. films all their lives. They understand the difference, you know, in terms of how I'm supposed to feel here. And you, it sounds yeah. like that. What a brilliant idea. I love that. Great. And then the other interesting thing I'd done is, going back a tiny bit, is I'd, I'd insisted on some rehearsal time. Mm-hmm. So we had two weeks wow. before we shot. Congratulations. And first, yeah, I know. <laughs> Not many people uh, get that. <laughs> but again, the useful thing about having Jack as an actor is that he's like, okay, you know, if you want to rehearse, we're rehearsing. Do you know what I mean? He takes that side of things super seriously. Yeah. So um, we um, had the first six or seven days in London, just in the meeting room at one of the finances, and I moved the tables and chairs out of the way. So it was like a kind of open space. Yeah. And I just sat with Fiona and Jack and Tamara and Jason was in the room with the, with a kind of um, uh, laptop. Mm-hmm. And I would just go through the scripts. We had a script and I'd go through it scene by scene, line by line. And we weren't mm-hmm. acting for most of it. We were just talking. Mm-hmm. And I'd worked out, I'd gone through the scripts and every single line in the scripts, I had written kind of what the character was actually trying to say or, you know, what I was thinking when I wrote it. And so we'd go through it and I'd explain my thinking and then we talk through the lines and they'd be like, well, you know what? I don't need to say I'm feeling fine. Thanks. Because I can just do that with a look. You know, I know, I know mm. how I'll do that. And I'm like, okay, great. Red pen, scrub that shit out. Yep. You carry on, you get through the thing. And then Jason was writing it up and would making notes. And then at the end of the day, Jason and I would uh, write a new version of the script, print it out, come in the next day, do the same thing. And we did that every day for like six or seven days. That's so great. And that was with all the cast, pretty much. That's that with all the weird. cast. So what we did, like Anton Lesser, who played the Doctor, came in for a yep. day. 
Chloe came in for half a day and Ed came in for half a day. And, mm-hmm. and uh, Kieran, who is the uh, sonographer, even she came in for a bit. Mm-hmm. And we just, yeah, we just worked through it that way. And we didn't do any kind of quote-unquote acting. We just kind of talked through it. And we did a bit of standing up and like kind of working out whether how close they want to be and this, that and the other. But, you know, you're, you're just collaborating with the actors. And I found that really fun. Yeah. And then that kind of, that culminated Gosh, yes. with the with the read-through at the end of it. was the, um, And then we went out to Ireland and we did two or three days of rehearsing in specific rooms. Uh, and also what I did with Carlos, which was super useful, which I hadn't thought of. It was his idea. It's because we're in one location most of the time, we could um, go around it with a stills camera and mm. work out our... I'd done storyboards and shot lists yeah. of my own before okay. he came on board. Um, we had quite a short prep period. It was like, we either go now or we don't go. So it's like, we either go in... It was crazy. We either go in like four weeks or we don't go. It's like, no, like well, we're going. Christ. Let's go. <laughs> How are we yeah. going to do this thing? So basically, I luckily prepped for the storyboards, which is like stick men. Sure. And then yep. um, I had done... Um, um, shot lists for everything so mm-hmm. me and Carlos walked around going, and I was like okay this bedroom scene I thought we would do you know uh, close up on her face because I wanted to start quite intimately and then you shoot super wide of the room so that suddenly she feels like a kind of like tiny character in this big scary space and then we have to shoot reverse of Jack when he stands up so we know where he is in the geography and and then he gets his stills camera out and we take a photo of each of those things and we look through them and we're like, okay, well, actually, you know what? What else is in this room that's interesting? Well, there's that mirror. Maybe it would be good to try and get a shot through the mirror or, you know, mm. we don't need that. You know, we don't need that mid-shot. It might be useful to have, so we'll keep it on the shot list, but we'll know that if we're out of time, that can go. And, you know, so you, we walk around the house doing that. I love and, that. Um, it's so good. I, I, I love to do that too as well, Joe. Just to, having that time with a DP to sit and go through... Mm. It's so important, and it hasn't necessarily happened on every film just because mm. of time. But when I did do it, I loved it. You can just sit in the space and go, "Well, this is not." You see more stuff when you sit in the space as the director and the DP. Mm. You suddenly see it better. You go, "Well, that's actually you could shoot through that window." And if we get a little light here, we'll get a sunlight. Yeah. And actually, the camera rays will look better if we put the actors this way. Yeah. It's brilliant. Yeah, you yeah. must have learned. You must have really enjoyed that process. Yeah, and also I think because because I had come through kind of as a DP for a while, especially with shooting mm. that stuff with Simon I mentioned earlier and some of that Honda stuff. And I've shot like, you know, a Stella McCartney campaign film and a couple of Paul McCartney video things and like those Honda ads and a bunch of other stuff. I can't yeah. think Microsoft ad I did once and stuff. So like I know camera and shooting behind the scenes films is uh, kind of coming up. Like I was always like a, a self shooter. So like yeah. I'm quite confident with camera. And what I did do is at, um, when everyone went home for the night, because uh, again union rules is like you had we had quite strict kind of shooting hours i would stay on my own with mm. a camera mm. and a set of lenses and just mm. go around the house on my own shooting close-ups of paintings on the wall or close-ups of boxing hedgehogs or yeah. whatever it is and loads of it is in the film loads of it That's and loads that of stuff that. that stuff is stuff that i just shot on my own because i'm confident enough with a camera and Carlos didn't mind, you know, I, I kind of explained to him that's kind of the way it was going to be. And, um, yeah. yeah, and I like would go out for the, I, I came back every weekend, funny enough, because the way the unions works, you have, you have to finish it like five on a Friday anyway. So I had time to drive home and get a flight, see right. the kids for two days and then fly back on the Sunday. Amazing. Uh, we only shot for 23 days or something. Okay. So okay. it sounds like a lot, but I flew back three times or whatever. Mm. But that last week, the weekend before last, I stayed out basically for one of the weekends at the end. And set my alarm for like four thirty in the morning, and went up a hill, yeah. and watched the sun sh- shot the sun coming up. I then went back to bed, and then got out again, watched the sun going down, you know, and shot landscapes and you know, whatever I could find driving around this weird little village and, and mm. around the surrounding countryside, shooting gates and flowers and grass, and I mean, loads of it didn't make it in the film, but um, mm. but you geez, just never know. A useful thing to have, very useful thing. I'd to always, have. you know, you know, filmmakers kind of famous phrase you know you're better to have it and not need it than to need it and not have it you know what absolutely I mean? right absolutely right did you do any pickups at all and we're no, jumping nothing. a little bit nothing right no money the only thing we picked up which technically isn't a pickup is jack wasn't very happy with his look through the door at the hospital oh yeah tamara okay and we had shot that day two or something nuts of the whole shoot we had to shoot the hospital all the hospital stuff back to back Right, right. Um, and he was just like, "Oh man, I don't think I got it right. Don't think I got it right." And I watched it in playback. I was like, 
I think it's okay, man. And he watched it and he was like, no, I don't want to do that again. It was like, there's no way we can move the unit back to that location. It's not happening. So what they did is they sent the kind of junior art department guy back to the location. He took the door off the hinges (laughs) and brought the door to our main location. (laughs) Yes. And they put it in the hallway in the attic with yeah. a wall that was vaguely beige vaguely kind similar of the whole thing yeah yeah and and i in fact didn't shoot it my owen who i mentioned earlier i'm writing yeah. this script behind me yeah. came out for the last three days or so to shoot some second unit stuff for stuff i hadn't managed to get and he shot that on his own we had a camera assistant but um amazing he shot that shot of jack looking through the through the glass and you'd never know no you, know, you after the, the day oh, once we once we flew back and packed the cameras weren't around anymore yeah zero money like right so you like, couldn't yeah. do it but here's the thing yeah, yeah, no yeah. one when when people are watching movies like this they'll believe what they're told mm. so even if you yeah. shot it two years later in your garden they'll believe it's in the same forest you shot the first bit in yeah. if you've got it vaguely right yeah. because it's someone in the costume or someone's hand because people yeah. do because you want to believe you're in the moment why would you suddenly go that wasn't yeah. right you know you'd have it's to funny, really though. mess it up in this in this kind of post-pandemic or in the middle of pandemic world, um, mm. there is, I should, probably shouldn't say which one. There is a particular American TV show I'm watching at the moment where yeah. all of a sudden a couple of cast members have put about half a stone on <laughs> yeah, for no apparent reason. You're like, yeah. are they pregnant? Yeah, no, what's pregnant. They've, they've just been eating been comfort eating. food for, th- yeah, for yeah. six months like everyone else. Totally, and they had to um, do reshoots and they didn't want to and they so, complained about their costumes. Yeah, <laughs> these yeah. costumes have shrunk. <laughs> 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 but we do what we can on set. And it sounds like you had a great time. It sounds like you yeah. worked brilliantly with the actors, your yeah. DP. I mean, it was you, super stressful, don't stuff. get me wrong. And I think yeah. um, we had a we had a few money problems when we were out there. And that really suddenly had a couple of times with like crew members not necessarily getting paid on the Friday. And, you know, I come from a commercials world where... You put an invoice in, and three months later you haven't been paid. But in the if film you're industry, lucky. It's yeah, like, yeah, it's like nine months. You might. Yeah, get I want, it. Yeah, I want yeah. my money on a Friday, and if it's not there on, by Monday morning, I'm, I'm having a serious conversation about it. So there were a couple of times where that became a bit of a kind of like um, a few mm. moody moments here and there. But um, mm. we got through it fine, and. Yeah. Um, it well, the was, fact that yeah. you lost you lost uh, the huge chunk of your finance a week yeah. before, you know, fair yeah. play to Dominic. Yeah. We did Yeah, we didn't end up. Uh, up the what's money. the phrase when you finally finish securing finance? Um, Closing. Yeah, we didn't close the film until something nuts, like six months after we'd shot. Like, Sounds about right, mate. Yeah, yeah. it's the post, isn't it? Because it's, it's people want to see it, but you had big names in it, so people yeah. were obviously very interested. Well, let's yeah. talk about post because we get we, we yeah. can talk forever about the directing of it. Yeah, um, sorry, in terms of no, 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 don't be sorry. This is fantastic. <laughs> but let's talk about that that side of it then. And so in terms of, I got yeah. an editor on board before we started shooting, and I okay. spoke to a couple of people. And Fiona D'Souza is our editor. Mm. I was very keen to have a fifty-fifty split between male and female heads of department um, because I think it's an important thing that you have not just a bunch of blokes, generally speaking, Um, particularly with a film that is kind of female-led and thematically is kind of like leaning in a kind of more traditionally female way. I felt like it was an important thing to have that. I was open to anything, but that's kind of the way I was thinking. Mm. And then Fiona's name came up because her agent, I think, recommended her. And she had just cut some of the little drummer girl for Park Chan-wook. And oh, I am wow. a bit of a Park Chan-wook kind of mega fan. I like, you know, I don't have any tattoos, but I'd be tempted to get a little kind of a Park Chan-wook on one shoulder and a Bong Joon-ho on the other one. You know? Nice, nice, um, yeah. And um, I was really keen with Kindred for it to be a bit like those kind of South Korean films that are not just one kind of genre. You yeah. know? If you look at Mother or mm. even Old Boy, you know, they are not just scary or thrilling they're also quite romantic or funny or mm. do you know what i mean they are like mm-hmm. a real mixed bag and you don't get a lot of western films that play with genre in that way you know and i was really keen to do that so fiona i met again have for a chat and i just like really dug her straight away man and she like she wasn't she came in and had some notes on the scripts and was and i was like that's amazing that you amazing. like you care yeah, about you actually it enough care. No, absolutely you know I mean? yeah yeah and she's done yes, paddington you're not a yes and, person yeah you're like yeah the infiltrator this. yeah she's done a lot um, a lot of great work and yeah. she was also like kind of you know when you finish shooting she was equal parts therapist as she mm-hmm. was um kind of uh editor you know what i mean like yeah she's the voice of reason and she's a shoulder to cry on and she is like she is um 
she is a solid ship in a sea of anxiety Shit. do you know what i mean <laughs> um and i'm a massive fan uh, anyone who want, needs a head of department for anything just go for any of the people on my film because i'd lucked out with pretty much all of them were, were amazing that's really good to know actually just go on imdb and check them out everyone yeah, yeah. if you want to that's great yeah, do honestly do um, what's your process in post then do you do you go through each take yourself or do you leave your editor Fiona what they did that? is when they were back in london Initially, we hoped to bring the Twilight with us so they could sit in a window room in the, in the basement getting freaked out and editing. <laughs> but in the end, we, we left them in London and, and we'd basically send them rushes every night. We'd mm. send them the proxies and then they'd cut. And every couple of days, I'd get a bunch of scenes cut from Fiona and I'd be like, oh, are we missing anything? Are there any shots we haven't got that we need? How are you feeling about it? And if there was anything, she's like, oh, oh you know what? I think we do need a better establisher of the, the car going into the house then we'd know that we'd have to go and get a better service car, that kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Because I yeah. knew we wouldn't have money to go back later. So it meant that okay. we finished shooting on the Friday, had a rap party Friday night. No, we finished shooting on Thursday, had a rap party Thursday night. Got home, a karaoke rap party, so I was pretty hungover on the Friday. Brilliant. Flew home on the Friday. A Tuesday, I go into the edit and watch the edit of the film. Yeah. And it was three hours long or something nuts, but she yeah. she cut the whole thing. Do you know what I mean? And it was how was how rough. was that experience? Yeah, I was going to say it's always rough watching. I it remember school. I think Scorsese said if you know if you don't feel sick after you watch your first cut, <laughs> are you doing your job properly? But yeah. you know what? Yeah. Actually, I didn't feel that sick. I was like, it makes some kind of sense. Do you know what I mean? That's a bonus. I thought <laughs> you were just playing you know like playing in the sand i didn't realize yeah. it was actually a thing you know actually I mean? a film here um, this story kind of yeah, makes sense yeah, wow this kind of makes sense who knew yeah. so um <laughs> i was okay with it and it was a lot of rough i don't we, we edited for 15 weeks or something refining stuff and we had yeah. one test screening after about 10 weeks or so okay um and that changed a couple of little bits and then we had another one after about 14 weeks and that was a pretty much a wholehearted kind of success and everyone seemed to enjoy it so there were a couple of tiny tweaks after that but not a lot um so yeah in the grand scheme of things i think it was vaguely painless do you know what i mean like mm. um yeah um and, and then, then you were happy you were happy during that time as in you were going okay did because directors can get suddenly get really depressed about what they've shot yeah. and why didn't i get that angle or why didn't i push yeah. for one more take how did you feel during that time I've probably blocked it out now. Yeah, I know what you mean. You I do think, block it out. Um, <laughs> you have to. I, think they, I had, it's ups and downs, I think. There were one or two moments where you're just like, oh my God, you know, I'm going to puke. But there were other bis- <laughs> other, other biscuits. I was thinking about all the biscuits you get in the edit there for a minute. That's there the, you go. That was one of the useful things about it. Um, <laughs> there were other moments where, uh, you know, you feel that you've, you know, you're the greatest thing since sliced bread. It's, it's that, that schizophrenic ego thing, you know, that mm. that's what, a lot of filmmaking is to me, you know, it's, it's a lot of things, whether it's like the way you film it or the way it comes out, the way it's received, it's never as good or as incredible as you think it's going to be, but it's never as bad as it could be. It's somewhere in the middle. Yeah. If you're lucky, it's on the upper bit of that. And if you're unlucky, it's on the bottom bit of that. And it's the same when I was in the edit and I was like, how am I feeling mentally about this film? Because it's not the greatest thing to slice bread equally it's not a complete car crash and doesn't make any sense. Where mm. is it on that scale? And I think generally speaking, I, I got lucky and it's, it's pushed up towards the kind of more positive end of that scale. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I know think what you that's mean. probably cold, hard reality speaking. Mm. Um, At this point, did you have, did you know where it was going? Did you know? No, Sky were involved? nothing like that. No, nothing. So, yet. so you didn't um, have a distribution nothing. sort of line yet. No, okay. We'd, we'd spoken to a couple of, we had UTA selling in the States and beta selling worldwide. United talent agency. Uh, yeah, United talent, yeah, yeah. And, beta. and okay. then um, we finished the cart and then it was a bit like, you know, now what? Oh, we'll do some festivals. And then, oh, well, actually what happened was we had visual effects to do and they mm. were supposed to be done by November. And mm. cause we, we locked the edit in like end of October. So it was in November and then no, 2019. Because no, they were doing a couple of films at Lip Sync, like that film Archive yeah. um, and another film, the name of which completely escapes me. But they were doing the visual effects and they overran massively. Right. And so we were like, okay, it's not ready in November. Is it going to be ready in January? Okay, it's not ready in January. 
Because if it's ready by the beginning of March, we might get into Berlin, and Berlin were like, "Yeah, we'll take it, but only yeah. if it's a finished car. We won't show like a kind of you know work in progress." Sure. Then you're like, "Okay, well, we got to get it done by then." But no, that's not going to happen. And then all of a sudden, the global pandemic hits, uh-huh. and then they're like, "Oh, we finished." <laughs> you're like, "Right, okay." So the good news is we got a finished film. The bad news is we're in the middle of a global pandemic, and you know what the hell are we going to do with it? And then. Mm. We're like, oh, we'll go to Toronto. But Toronto, instead of accepting 200 films, we're accepting 20 films. And mm-hmm. a third, whatever, two-thirds of them are Canadian. You're like, right, okay. <laughs> Sundance? No, that's we've missed the deadline for that. And next year, what happened was IFC in the States picked it up. Uh, who are ama- they're amazing. They're wrong. Yeah, they are they're great. Like, IFC they're, are great. They're really good. Yes, um, but the problem with that was they were like, oh, we're putting it out in November. And you're like, right, but the problem oh. with that is that we will we won't qualify for any of next year's festivals the sundances and the south by southwests and that stuff mm-hmm. like we we thought we'd be doing that network building up ahead of steam mm-hmm. and then going to market and they were like no no we're just going to put it out in november but we can give you some theatrical and we're like well okay we'll do that so <laughs> we got lucky we went, that's we your choice a yeah screens but it was like 60 screens in the middle of a pandemic at the stage which is a fair old chunk really and then it is really yeah. yeah and then premium on demand over there mm-hmm. uh, and then we got like we were the front page of the la times art section and we were like you know vulture's fourth fourth best film of the year and like we had some wow. like, really really great reception over there mm. but um equally i think that we didn't have that kind of head of steam that you get from a decent festival the word of mouth do you know what i mean it wasn't necessarily out there so sure. the film's on Hulu now. It went after a couple of months or whatever. It goes on to, went on to Hulu in the States and is proven to be fairly watched over there. Right. Um, yeah. I think having a film come out is, that is probably the most traumatic part of the entire process is the kind of like the reviews and the people's thoughts. And I think because I'm so emotionally wrapped up in the film, you know, because it's a much more personal film than people realise it is. And there's all that stuff about me and kids and therapy and kind of... Yeah. parental anxiety it feels like i'm exposing part of my soul to the audience and the mm. audience are completely oblivious absolutely <laughs> and they're just like what the fuck is this shit or they're like oh this is really great and it's just like oh god both of these are freaking me out <laughs> you know like i don't yeah. really know how to feel about this so I, I always say now it's like it's not your film anymore i yeah. always say it's the, the audiences now yeah. they can love it or hate it but it's not your film anymore yeah. and that's a better way to think of it i think so because then you can go oh Okay, I don't have to worry. He's still my baby, but my yeah. baby's grown up and gone to university and hopefully got a degree. You know yeah, what I mean? But are you, are you like an IMDb reader and all that? Not IMDb. Are yeah. you like a Rotten Tomatoes guy when the film? No, comes I out don't. I don't read Rotten. I don't go on yeah. Rotten Tomatoes. No, yeah. I'm, I'm not that interested. You know, I've been burnt by reviews and I've had some amazing reviews. So yeah. I'm very much in the camp of I take it all with a pinch of salt yeah. and I watch the films on my own merit. But no, yeah. I'm not a Rotten Tomatoes dude. No, yeah. I'm not. I'm not interested. I, think I, I am. I am now in in your camp because when. When it, when it first came out in the states i was like this is great i'm all over this you know mm. i'm gonna keep an eye on stuff and oh, then after a couple God, of days it, it literally drives you insane it, it and really i'm like does. oh you know what i need to crawl into a deep black hole and not not worry about this stuff because the, the problem is you start you start worrying about it and you start seeing these reviews it, it, it does hurt so every mm. little you, you kind mm. of ignore the good ones and yeah. all you concentrate on is the horrible ones yeah. and people are so mean yeah. and there's no need to be mean because yeah. you everyone's worked so hard to make a movie everyone yeah. every single person on that set oh wanted to make a great film and it hurts it really does dig deep and it's best not to it's now funny. I've learned the, the one we look. got like a real like we got a really good review in like the Hollywood Reporter and a really good one in like Variety, but mm. the guy in the New York Times basically gave us like a hatchet job, and you're like, wow, that's just really mean. Like they just didn't just mean, but it's like they didn't seem to like watch the film. Like how did they get that opinion from? It's really weird. But then probably didn't. You notice they actually gave the film two out of four, and you're like, yeah, but the review they've written is like they gave it minus five like and the, and the guys at ifc were just like oh yeah that guy's really curmudgeonly i'm like yeah no shit yeah yeah <laughs> that yeah really horrible yeah so um but luckily that was kind of the only really really bad one we generally speaking we've done very well and um have been very well received but anyway after we did the ifc release yes yeah go we were like okay where else wants it and then um we had a couple of offers for uh in theory theatrical in the uk but right. 
they were like, yeah, theatrical, if cinemas if, are open. Yeah, and you're exactly. like, yeah, but what if cinemas aren't open? And they're like, yep. yeah, then it'll just, you know, we'll see. And you're like, oh, I don't know. If, I don't know what to do. And you're like, oh. Mm-hmm. And then Sky came in and was just like, well, we'll take it. And you're like, right, okay. Guaranteed audience. Mm-hmm. Mainstream audience. Um, like my mum and dad watched movies Watch on Sky. Sky. Do you know yep, what I mean? Totally. Like, yeah. It suddenly it's a big thing. opens it up. And, um, yeah. We got super lucky, basically. And also, they were paying more money than anyone else. So it was a kind of win-win situation. Yeah? Absolutely was. Because a lot of those other people would have, would have bought the film and then just sold it to Sky anyway. And they'd have... And they'd have, they'd and, have taken yeah. literally the cream yeah. off the top. And you've been like left with you know the producers yeah. who do all the work get nothing. Yeah. So it's very important that you, you're aware of yeah. that. Not necessarily yourself, because you're going, well, my producer do that. But if you're a producer out there, yeah. gosh, yeah. So and also, you know, num- rule number one is pay your finances back. You know so I mean? important yeah that's the most important thing you get another movie made if you do that and it allowed us to do that so um so i think which is incredible <laughs> <laughs> and how was it let's talk about the response then from yeah. being on sky because yeah. you as a british filmmaker to have a movie on sky like i have is an amazing thing it's amazing yeah. it's so cool you sit there and just go hey look there's it's advertising and kindred was on the front yeah. page there it was how did let's just talk about how that felt if you can yeah so it's like it's a very surreal thing, you know, because we were sitting on it finished with all the visual effects done for basically mm. a year, you know, because the pandemic was going on. And, yeah. you know, I don't get paid money of course, for nothing. On your bum. So yeah, of I've, 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 I've been taking other bits of work on. I've been really lucky. There's a kind of celebrity photographer. That is a photographer who takes photos of celebrities rather than a famous <laughs> photographer himself. Uh, a guy called Greg Williams, who's like a really big uh, photojournalist style kind of uh, guy. He shoots all the backstage shots at like the BAFTAs and the Oscars. And sure. he's got like a course you can do in photography, iPhone photography, called um, uh, Skills, Skills Faster. And okay. um, basically, I've been editing for that dude for the last nine months or so, sat in this very room in my attic at home in my pants. Um mm doing that and doing bits of writing and trying to get other projects off the ground and stuff. And you're basically waiting for the film to come out because I haven't got an agent in the UK still. I signed with mm-hmm. UTA in America, which is, which is really good. And like, Huge. it's a real unusual situation that like, I'm with one of the big four agencies in America who are sending me scripts every now and then and kind of like getting, trying to get things off the ground. But in the UK, like no one knows I exist. So it's like quite a surreal situation it's weird um, but they ignore that you get like you say if you can get work through you know the sort of the hollywood track uta yeah. huge so yeah, and plus yeah. it's an in to so many big actors so with mm. uncle your next project you know yeah. that's you so, get yeah. them on board to you know so you get all like the crew right yeah. and the cast and so that's this what is it so yeah so i've basically come to the point now where i have like a bunch of projects in theory lined up and it's just working out which one is a goer and which one's not so basically sky have been brilliant love the fact that they put the film so prominently on the on the web page and stuff mm. we're now whatever it's three or four weeks after release so it's kind of like it does somewhat uh um kind of move down the kind of leaderboard but it's sure. not the same as when your film's in the cinema and then it plays for a week and then literally disappears yeah on sky it's always there you know it's always there mm-hmm. for someone to discover or for someone mm-hmm. to pick up you know that's the interesting thing about it yeah and it only takes it takes a tweet from you or an instagram yeah. from the actors to go oh here's a photo yeah. of me at the premiere or this screen yeah. suddenly people go oh yeah kindred again oh yeah. i must watch that oh it's on yeah. sky cool yeah. i'll watch it tonight in fact the funny thing about it is we we've, we've never even had a cast or crew screening of the film because of the pandemic so like yeah we're actually having a little screening this thursday Ah, oh, see again. See it properly. Make some, take some photos, put them up on yeah, your. Yeah. And suddenly, people will be watching the film again. It's little things like that that so, um, do make so, yeah. a difference. So the film's done. Um, yep. I am Uncle, which I wrote with that guy Owen. We're trying to get yep. that off the ground at the moment. We've just gone out to acting people for the first time with Alice. <laughs> well, she's about to have a baby, so we need to get our, sh- our stuff together fairly quick. And then um, <laughs> we are hoping to get that moving, basically. I mean, I, I always wished it would be this year, probably early next year, if it happens. It, you know, okay. it's like so many moving parts. But I'm mm-hmm. really happy with that script. Uh, and then I've got a couple of other things, like that one that's on the board behind me, set mm-hmm. in the States. So I'm trying to get that. Some are vaguely interested in that. I have got, um, I don't know, probably f- five finished feature scripts now. 
either written or co-written. And, and these, then, how many of them are good? <laughs> of those, they're actually all, I would say they're all top tier, those ones. Yes, I'm actually get pretty in. Pleased with them. Yeah, I know, yeah, that. at last. Yeah, yeah. And then I've got three kind of TV-ish things that... Um, okay. That thing. But I need... I'm in this weird position now. It's just like, yeah, I've got my agent in the States, but I probably do need like a manager stroke, or either a manager in the States or like a an agent over here to kind of help be my manager to just help what, me because you've got the you I'm know doing. kindred was a like I say a huge yeah. success in, in my eyes mm-hmm. what's the issue with you know finding that manager agent here at the moment what do it's you just, do i to think get that? i think it's a two it's a double edged sword and that's not even the right phrase for that sentence. it's a good phrase it's, though, it's, i'll say it anyway it's a uh there's a couple of issues firstly is that we're coming up a pandemic and most agents yep. have 40 clients 38 mm. of whom haven't worked in 18 months yeah. and so taking yeah. on loads of new clients isn't a particularly good look when sure. they're they got to get work for the people they're supposed to be working with um mm. and also i just don't know anyone in the industry that's the funny thing like i met dom at a prenatal baby class yeah. i've never been to a festival film festival really in my life even with my short films i went to a couple but not really never really met anyone you mm. know um so i've never been to I've never met an agent at Sundance or at Toronto or at Raindance or whatever. You know, I haven't mm. done any of that stuff. So, um, yeah, I'm just kind of blissfully living in my own funny little world in my pants, in my attic, kind of trying to work yeah. out the hustle. I'm, I'm up for the hustle. I'm, I, uh, I understand you make your own luck. And I understand it's, it's I'm not going to sit around and wait for the phone to ring because that's not mm. how it works. You, no, know? you, it have, to, you no. have to strategize and you have to invest in yourself both financially but more importantly with time you have Mm. to put time aside to work out what the hell you're going to do with yourself so that's kind of where i am now trying to get a project off the ground and trying to work out how to meet the best people who can make me be my best self yeah and that's the thing so something i talk about in the podcast is trying to surround yourself with Mm. people who are higher better uh, whatever than you because mm. therefore it can only make you better and work yeah. harder and you mm. know why not and you can achieve that you know you've you've uh, kindred is an amazing film and, and for your debut movie it's fantastic mate so well done no worries. thank you really very much. really well done and also I, I know i don't want to gush but i think that what i really love about what you do in, in the podcast is that i i listen to script notes you know in the states it's a good one yeah and they have a community feel to what they do mm. because screenwriting Although it's competitive, it feels like they've kind of got like a family vibe and there's people looking out for each other and trying to help each other out. Whereas particularly with filmmaking in this country and directing particularly, it feels so dog-eat-dog and so competitive. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a bit more room, I think, for people to be nice to each other and to collaborate and to be open and to share things. And I love that's what you're about. And that whole idea of like letting the ladder down for the people behind you, I think, is um has a lot of merit and um thank you basically for what you're doing and i, and I think that Bless the more you. directors and filmmakers can just reach out to one another and, and chat and kind of help each other mm. it's n- we're not here to stab each other in the back there's a really nope. good phrase i think lena dunham said it once which is like there's plenty of room at the top do you know what i mean like yeah there's enough yep. work out there there's mm-hmm. plenty of room up there for everyone yeah we just have to try and help each other out a little bit and not be so true. And that's why I love doing this podcast. And what I've loved from doing this podcast is meet people like yourself, meeting so many other indie filmmakers and huge filmmakers as well. But just the connection we all have and the fact that we can all go, you know, and we do live events now and it's like, why aren't we all just helping each other? What's the Mm. issue here? Let's Mm. not be too precious about this. We're all trying to make films. Yeah. There is enough to go around. You know, the the people at the top are making stuff so we can do it. Mm. I get why people are precious, but at the same time, it's like, I don't want to be, I don't want to be one of those people. Mm. I want to be, let's all come on, Mm. let's do this together. We're a team. right? So it's like shared trauma. You know, we both know know what it's like when someone yeah. says uh was that a good take and you weren't actually paying as much attention as maybe you should have been <laughs> and you and you look around at everyone and everyone's looking at you and you're like uh you know we've all been you, there. you have to go yes or you have to go no we're going again you have no idea why 
Yeah. Just going again. Why? Just doing it. Just yeah, are. Just we it. are. Yeah, yeah. It was a camera thing. Don't say that too loud. It's not. <laughs> you got me so carefully. You blame. Yeah. Oh, Joe, this has been so good. No, cool, this has been Thank really, really me. fascinating. Yeah, this now is a two-parter. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I tell you, I, warn, I do talk. It's two hours, mate. It's two yes, hours, um, but, but in a great way. There's I, just so much. I can talk about myself. That's one thing I can talk about. No, but you talk with such eloquence and and joy about what you do, mm. and I think that's really important. And there's so much knowledge mm-hmm. uh, and advice. And actually, talking about what bit of advice looking back now would you give not only your younger self but some really exciting uh, up-and-coming filmmaker now i think um i've got a couple of bits of advice number one read that sydney lumet book because it's the best Mm -hmm. book about filmmaking i've ever read i would also say that you know uh making films can be very expensive and it's not easy to learn on the job not as easy to learn a job as people say it is. You know, you're not going to be given 50 grand to go and play. Do you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. you can probably afford 50 quid to play. And yeah. you have to invest that 50 quid in yourself and try and make something that is true to yourself. And it's only by doing those kind of projects you will find your voice. And everyone has a voice. Filmmaking is not, I mean, it's not rocket science to a certain extent. You have to be empathetic, but you have to be open and to invest in yourself and to find your voice. And that only comes from investing time, effort and money in yourself in order to do that, you know? And if you're not going to do that, no one else is going to do it for you. So, so true. I love that. And what a great way to end uh, this mammoth two-parter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you did say you like, I, I want it to be a two-parter. It is now me. a two-parter. Congratulations. Yeah. Uh, this has been amazing. Where can people find you on the socials? Where can they bother you and give yeah, you some I'm love? Not, I'm not that good, but I'll do, I do my best. I'm at Please. Instagram. I am at Mark Antonio TV. I think I'm at the same mm-hmm. thing on Twitter. You are because we've just Instagrammed okay, cool. you today on uh, on yeah. Insta, but I think, I think you're the, same, the same, same on Twitter. Twitter. But otherwise, um, my website is yeah. Mark Antonio TV. Um, and anyone listening, if I can help in any way or whatever, just do feel free to give me a shout. I'm not super precious. Uh, funny enough, I did a director's that commentary cool. slightly drunkenly up here uh, in my spare room a few months ago for the American Blu-ray release, and I just had a couple of drinks and kind of watched the film and kind of like. That was the last time I watched it. I'm never going to watch it again. That was enough for me. And at the end, slightly drunkenly, I was like, hey, man, Mm. I don't know if anyone listens to these commentaries anymore, but if anyone is listening, like, give me a shout. And some guy a couple of weeks ago was like, hey, (laughs) I listened to your commentary. I was like, oh, no way. I didn't think anyone listened to them anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I think people do. I think people love the behind the scenes, the making ofs, all that kind of stuff. I think people love it. And the fact that it's gone from DVDs and Blu-rays now because people don't buy them and the effort to put them on and make them is a shame, really, because they're so, you know, people, that's how we understood how to make films was watching uh, for me it was magnolia watching mm. behind the scenes of that fantastic yeah. film magnolia and the amazing documentary they made on it it's like so uh yeah I, I, so that's what people do listen to this stuff that's hence why people yeah. listen to these podcasts as well you know and we love you for listening and thank you um you can find me at giles alderson you can find the podcast at filmmakers pod we are on instagram at filmmakers the filmmakers podcast or you can find a whole back catalogue of podcasts at the filmmakers podcast.com where if you specifically want a screenwriter you can just type in screenwriter and all our screenwriters will come up some famous some not but all working filmmakers and the same with directors and producers and crew members as well so do go do that thank you thank you so much for listening you are all amazing and remember you can go out there and make your indie film and if you're lucky enough to rise up and do well it's our duty send the elevator not the ladder back <laughs> down i'll take a ladder to be fair it's probably yeah. easier to get um up it's and down it's very surreal to hear you hear, um, to watch you do that in the flesh after uh listening to you for many years <laughs> so yeah very good yeah it must be it must be um so do go out there make your films make it happen people you can do it joe is an absolute testament to that make a calling card be proactive and get out there and feel inspired by this and look what joe's achieved and you can do it too believe in yourself and for me I'm now going to go hang around Soho and wait for that 50 50 million pound suitcase and maybe go to a prenatal class at the same time that's what you need to do just hang out go hang out with prenatal baby classes it'd be like about a boy yeah where you just like it. totally yeah. yeah I love it I love it Joe thank you so much for your time this has been cool amazing. man no it's been a pleasure thank you very much pleasure's all ours take care everyone we'll see you next Tuesday as always all the best bye bye <laughs> <laughs>